You are listening to UBC Waco Podcast. <laughs> are you recording? Yeah. Oh, okay. We can use that as just a scratch track for now. Hi again. Well, if you were with us uh, last week, this passage might sound a little wash, rinse, repeat. And that is fair. The Israelites complained about being hungry God heard them, and God responded by meeting their needs. This time around, the Israelites complained about being thirsty. God heard them, and God responded by meeting their needs. And while it might be convenient to make an argument that this is somehow more significant because we need water more than we need food, at the end of the day, this really is wash, rinse, repeat. There are some differences, though, and... To me, they are very important ones. But before we go much further, I want to give you a little bit of a trigger warning this morning. We are going to be talking about church community. I know that many of you, like me, have experiences in church that you would not wish upon your greatest enemy. And so if things get difficult as we talk about community, please take care of yourself An extended bathroom break is how I got through freshman English. I suggest that you do the same. That said, I am also very excited to talk about community with our kids here. So hi, kids. Hi, guys. I am so excited that you're with us today, and I want to thank you for being active participants in this part of our service. You make it special. You make it special. Even if this passage was the exact same passage as last week, your presence here changes things. So welcome. And again, thank you. So here we are. Here we are with our Israelites, our sweet, sweet Israelites. They are camped and they are being directed to travel from place to place. They set up camp and quickly realized that there is no water for the people to drink. Problematic. Problematic in any context, but especially here in the desert of the wilderness. So they complained, and of course they did. Their most basic human need, a human right, the need, the right to clean water was going unmet. So they fought with Moses. They complained against him and they accused him of bringing them out of Egypt to kill them, their children, and their animals. Those are big statements. The Israelites were having a big feelings day. And haven't we all? I have big feelings days. I can have a big feelings day when the right person says the right mean thing on the wrong day of the week. It might not have even been that interaction that did me in. But you know that saying about the straw and the camel? And you know, there are certain things in those moments that I just don't want to know about myself. I don't know if you have things you wish you had not learned about yourself. Personally, I don't want to see how I would respond if I were in the Israelite shoes. That is something I don't need to know about myself. I am not delulu enough to believe 
that I would conduct myself in a way that is fitting or that I would be proud of. It would not be pretty, friends. Shout out to all the wilderness survival people who are out there. Uh, I would lay down. (laughs) I would rock back and forth, perhaps thumb-sucking involved somehow. I would wait, perhaps even pray for sweet release. But that is not what the Israelites did. They complained. They complained, and while I have only ever heard a stigmatized, oh, poor baby, kind of response to their complaining, I love it. I think it's great. I appreciate it. Complaining is resistance. In its best form, complaining is life and it's fire. Complaining is advocacy. They did not lay down, rock back and forth and suck their thumb. They made their voices known. As they quarreled and as they complained, they did that work as a community and they did that work for their community. Something was severely amiss. As a people, the Israelites feared for their future, for their well-being, for the well-being of their children, and they spoke up. They made their voices known to their leaders and they did that work together. I think that's beautiful. I think that's important. So many times we read stories in scripture that we've either heard before or there was a Disney movie made about it. We have the benefit of knowing the end. Even today, we had the resolution before the conflict even got started. Seven verses, seven verses. And we found out that there was no water and then there was water. Even if for just a moment we paused after the phrase, there was no water for the people to drink, we still wouldn't have to have waited much longer to learn that there was indeed water to drink, imminently, in fact. As our dear Jamie is fond of saying, behold. And just like that, there was water. But I want us to consider the stakes of this moment an entire community at risk, vulnerable and in danger, all because of under-resourcing. Something not too unfamiliar to many in our area, to many in our world. In response, Moses cried out to God. It's a good first step. And God said something that I absolutely love, as God often does, but not always. Go on ahead of the people and take some of the elders of Israel with you. There's more, of course. God gives very practical instructions. And sure, smacking a rock with a stick and having it spit out water, super cool, super cool. But again, my favorite part is the beginning. Go on ahead of the people and take some of the elders of Israel with you. The community of Israelites had brought their complaints. They had done it in unison. They had done it together. It was corporate work. And the solution that God brought was also corporate 
work. Executed in community, Moses and the elders of Israel were to go ahead together. Moses and the, and the elders, not Moses by himself, demands for a basic human right, clean water arose from a community to their leaders. And the need was met by a community of leaders from within. Moses' initial response is also worth discussing for a moment because I do believe it speaks to a larger problem in many congregations, across denominations, across faith practices. When the people quarreled, instead of empathizing with their plight, which should have been pretty easy to do because it was also his plight, he accused them of testing the Lord. Listen, test the Lord. Friends, I'm giving you permission if you needed it. You don't need it from me. Test the Lord. Test your beliefs. Test your understanding. Challenge your givens. Tend to your uncertainties. Plant them and let them grow into something that brings beauty into a world who needs and deserves it. Find life in your curiosity. Allow God's goodness and bigness to show up in ways you didn't think you were allowed to see. Too many times, a congregation will advocate for itself or for its community and their leaders will respond with whatever the modern day equivalent of why do you test the Lord would be. And while that was Moses' initial reaction, I wonder if so much of why God gave him instructions in the context of community was to clearly redirect him and us from a really human gut reaction. It is scary when we are confronted with someone else's uncertainty. It is. I have felt that fear and I have been uncertain. The gut reaction of circling the wagons rather than hearing those around us. It is healthy, helpful to have people around us who can walk through both the scary seasons and the good and who will not allow us to deceive ourselves into believing that we know everything and others don't. We need people who help us name problems, people who help us execute solutions, people who help us hear and address the cries from within our communities and beyond. And at its very best, a faith community can be a place, should be a place where honesty, safety, and support can be found and can be fostered. A place where open, direct dialogue gives way to mutual understanding, to the pursuit of both individual and communal flourishing. And I understand that is easier said than done. I also understand the communities of faith have been vehicles of harm since their inception. And that leaders and pastors so often convince themselves that they are infallible. 
It might not be that surprising. I know you don't know me well yet, uh, but I have incurred the wrath of a pastor or two in my time. Those who have somehow convinced themselves that their word was law, God's law specifically, which was a bit of a weird flex. It does not have to be that way. In fact, in our text, we have this beautiful example that suggests it should not be that way. One person should not shut down the concerns of an entire community. We have the chance to engage with one another in a different way. We have the opportunity to talk to each other, not about each other. We have the privilege of hearing one another. And just so we're on the same page, my working definition of hearing is not necessarily agreement, but is extending kindness with a desire to understand the other human right in front of you. We have the great grace of accepting and encouraging and affirming each other's value and dignity. We have the responsibility to advocate for the needs of our community. We get to be a different kind of gathering if we so choose a different kind of congregation to continue UBC's legacy of open arms, open hearts, open ears, and to continue to grow our advocacy and our receptivity. That legacy is so much of what brought my family and me here to Waco. But beyond that, beyond this place, whether your path has you here for two weeks or 20 years, I hope we take this commitment with us wherever we go, that we will carry the concept of communal advocacy into our family systems, our neighborhoods, our workplaces, even other churches. If we are in positions of influence in any sphere, may we use those positions for the betterment and the well-being of the whole. If we are in the community, may we speak openly and directly about the needs of the whole, even if it's risky. And listen, I know this might not be an earth-shattering perspective or a brand new way of operating in the world. There are more social workers in this church than I could count. (laughs) But what I do know, what I know is true for me, I can always use a reminder that faith contexts can be healthy with work. That they should, that's a big word, right? They should have standards. I need to remember that when I am drowning in the pain of the ghosts of church's past. I don't know. Maybe you need to remember that today too. UBC, may we seek the flourishing of all people here in our church community and far beyond. May we hear with the goal of understanding and speak with the goal of being wholly understood. When we engage one another, may we see the image of God in each other. May we treat one another with dignity and value, 
even as our complaints arise. In grace, may we take these practices with us into every inch of our lives. And may the Spirit use us to strengthen communities in all their forms. Amen. As is a beautiful practice, we're going to take some space to practice the gift of silence. Uh, We will invite the Spirit to change, grow, remind, encourage, love, uh, to correct something that I have said incorrectly. As we do this communal listening, may we remember that it is hearts beating with the goodness of God together today.